Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Father, I thank you for this amazing church that I've been, uh, had the privilege of being part of for almost 14 years now, for my church family. And Father, I just pray that you would um, speak to us and you would meet with us, um, each of us this morning, in a way that you want to, and you would um, rest on our hearts um, encouragement and, and challenge where we need it, but encouragement and love, and that we would walk out knowing the joy of you in our lives, Father, and knowing that you will make a way when it looks like there is no way. Amen. Cool. So, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. I had the privilege of going to a Youth for Christ conference in Manchester at the start of the year, and we were hit with this one-liner, a room full of 400 leaders here, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. I've no idea where that quote's from, because the author remains anonymous, but the quote packs a punch, don't you think? Imagine a room full of Christian leaders, if they could lean in and be servant leaders. Imagine what that would be like. The more time you spend with people, the more they sort of like rub off on you, don't they? You know, when you're with your friends. And since being married, I've noticed that uh, I sort of start to make Stephen-style jokes sometimes now. And I don't know whether that's made me more or less funny. I think less funny. He thinks more funny. <laughs> And often says, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, I'm so devastated. <laughs> so when I think of the disciples spending time with Jesus, I assumed that he would instantly rub off on them. But when I read some of what the disciples say and do, it makes me realize that it's less instant, a bit more of a process, an ongoing journey of transformation, which gives me hope anyway. <laughs> On this occasion, the Zebedee boys, James and John, distinctively known as the Sons of Thunder because they had such anger issues that Jesus nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder, they were wanting to know where they ranked amongst the disciples, whether or not they could have two seats in heaven either side of Jesus. I mean, they'd just given up their family trade to follow Jesus. I don't know that a heavenly seat was really out of the question. I thought that was fair enough. But rather than rank the disciples and make decisions about who the greatest, he throws that statement back to them, doesn't he? And he challenges them and he says, so you think you want to sit at my right hand and my, and my left? Do you think you can do what I'm going to have to do? Do you think you can drink from this cup? They naively respond without thinking it through. Yes. And whilst I guess they are eventually going to drink from that same cup, Jesus knew that he would die soon and that he would be betrayed by one of the disciples. He would be tried and not found guilty, yet falsely judged. He knew he would go on to be abused mentally and physically. All of those things were in the cup that was going to be drunk. They were not going to be able to drink that whole cup. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, had been keeping company with the creator of the universe, walking alongside the Prince of Peace, and they had seen Jesus at work. He had modeled the behavior he wanted to see like a good teacher, and yet their egos were still getting in the way of their calling. 
They were still waiting to be elevated for all the hard work and their good deeds and sacrifice. I read this, and I'm so quick to judge the Zebedee boys for such an ego and reward-driven attitude. And yet, quickly, I find myself empathizing with them. They had given it all up to follow Jesus, the security of a home and a job, and they had done this wholeheartedly. Seems natural to wonder about the treasures and rewards they would receive. Obviously, careful not to talk about the treasures they were storing on earth, but only the ones in heaven. Doesn't seem that bad, does it? I wonder how many of us have made choices and sacrifices to follow the call of Jesus. Maybe we've left jobs. Maybe we left home. Maybe we left family. Maybe we moved countries. Maybe we've taken pay cuts just to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We hope in the encouragement that God at least recognizes what we have done and that will be enough to keep us going, to perhaps be elevated in a different way. I appreciate that it's hard and uncomfortable to talk about ego, status, and true humility. But it is worth us feeling a little uncomfortable to lean into what God might be whispering to us. Because if we can't talk about it, the enemy gets a foothold in it. And I certainly have definitely felt frustrated when a situation hasn't gone my way, and I know I did everything right. I throw my hands up in confusion. I throw my hands up in, sorry, I've lost it, in confusion. I did it all right. I said the right things, I helped the right people, I made the right sacrifices, and I worked so hard. I did it all without making a big deal out of it. How has it still gone this way? Despite wanting to serve, I still wanted God to notice me. And in fact, sometimes even just God noticing me wasn't all that I needed. We're all human, and so it is important that we keep talking to God about how we feel. Jesus reassures Zebedee boys that ultimately the places God has prepared for us are not for us to earn or to know about. All we need to know is that our Father has a house with many rooms and he has prepared a place for us. The more they think about leading, the more he talks about serving. He wades right into their egos and he reminds them that in God's kingdom, everything is upside down. In God's kingdom, you love those who hate you. In God's kingdom, you turn the other cheek. In God's kingdom, you heal on the Sabbath. In God's kingdom, you search for the missing one. In God's kingdom, the Samaritan is the hero. In God's kingdom, it's the meek who will inherit the earth. In God's kingdom, it's the father who picks up his dish dash and runs towards the son who shamed him. In God's kingdom, it's Jesus who washes the mud and grime for his, from his disciples' feet. In God's kingdom, it's the son of God who dines with tax collectors. In God's <coughs> kingdom, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. If serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. Did you know that we're all called? We're all called to the same thing. We're all called to love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves, 
Not some of us, but all of us. It's also true that we're all supposed to serve. It's not a call to leadership for some and a call to servanthood for another, but service for all of us. In fact, a good leader is a servant first. This was mind-blowing stuff. In God's kingdom, everything is upside down, you see, especially in a context where wealth and success meant that you actually had servants. This is mind-blowing even now, because if you think you lead somewhere, become a servant. I wonder what that would look like. How would that impact our families? How would it impact our workplace? if we gave ourselves to the service of others. It's been a privilege to be part of this church since 2006, as this is what I have seen modelled here by so many that are now looking back at me. Thank you for showing me that serving must be a part of the core of who I am. And what's Jesus' example here? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sounds really poetic, doesn't it? But this is sacrificial serving. I don't know about you, but I often find that serving doesn't really fit that neatly into my diary. Sometimes I need to sacrifice something for me to allow me to serve. Now, before you start throwing things at me, I recognize that I am treading into territory where I start to say things about sacrifice, and it will seem like I did not consider that many of us or many of you are on the edge of burnout, or maybe you are burnt out. And so another talk on sacrifice and serving feels a little bit heavy. But here's the thing. I don't think that we can run to avoid this challenge. Jesus said it. He might not have said, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. But he definitely said, if you want to be great, then you have to become a servant. But there's a really fancy word called hermeneutics. And I hear that good hermeneutics, when reading the Bible, means to let scripture interpret scripture. So we don't read things in isolation. So we don't take this and go, Jesus has been really heavy on us. But we think, what else did he say? And how does this sit in the context of what he said? So, Jesus has already led us with a response to burnout and burnout prevention. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love it. I'm going to read it from the message um, version as well. It says, Are you tired, worn out, or burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I want that life. None of this serving should happen in our own strength because Jesus is our strength. He is our capacity to serve. He is where the recharge comes from. He understands 
that when we are serving, we might become weary. So we find rest in him. He understands that when we take on more than we should, we should take on his yoke. Each verse that we read is not to be taken without all of Jesus' teaching. He isn't contradicting himself. In God's kingdom, everything is upside down. God is love and God shows us grace and he understands our capacity. And it is also true that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. In God's kingdom, when you bring five loaves and two fish and a heart of service, sacrifice and generosity, 5,000 people get fed. At this conference um, at the start of the year, I heard a story of a lady um, in South Africa. And she was at the trial of the man who had brutally killed her husband and her son in two separate acts. Her son was shot dead and her husband was stolen from her um, two years later and then she was dragged to watch him die. Her husband's last words before they burnt him was, Father, forgive them. In the courtroom, the judge asked the woman if there was anything that she would like to say to the man who had robbed her of everything that she had loved. She replies, I want three things. She begins calmly but confidently. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burnt so that I can gather up the dust and give him a proper burial. And she pauses. My husband and my son were my only family. So secondly, therefore, I would like him, the guy who killed them, to become my adopted son. I would like for him to come to me twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining in me for the rest of my years. And finally, she said, with tears welling in her eyes, I want a third thing. I would like him to know that I offer my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive and this was also the wish of my husband. The response of the room I was in when I was listening to this story was bizarre. The atmosphere shifted. The response of my team there broke me. Grown men and women fell to the ground, weeping from this story of grace and forgiveness. At the end of our time together, we sat and gathered round and we talked about the impacts that um, we'd all felt and what that was about. And when they started talking about it, they said, we want to learn how to love and how to serve each other better and more. We want to love sacrificially and concern ourselves with serving and not leading. We want to serve like Jesus. They were not talking about wanting to lead, and yet we were a group of 400 leaders. Despite being leaders, they wanted to serve. You see, serving one another and loving one another are woven together. A few years ago, um, I was on PCC, and I know that we would talk about serving in church a lot. And I care about the same things then as I do today. Let us learn how to serve in our everyday situations, not just once a month in church. 
Let us get good at loving each other and serving each other out of the overflow of resting in Jesus and soaking in his love. This will in turn, I'm sure, fill our rotors because it is from a joy of serving that people will know that we are, sorry, it was a joy of serving and people will know we belong to Jesus because we are marked by the way that we love one another. Because serving one another and loving one another are woven together. Remember the context from which we started this morning. We worship a God who makes a way where there is no way. God is good, always. He loves you because he loves you, and you do not need to do anything to earn his love. But his love brings a capacity to us. Maybe God is whispering to you about ego and the need for recognition from humans, and he wants you to lay it down so you can be the best leader you can be. Let him show you how to serve your team. Let him show you how to serve your family. Let him show you how to serve your friends. Maybe you have stepped out in faith and it feels like you've been forgotten or that you've become unknown. I wonder if he wants you to rekindle the joy you once had for serving him without anyone noticing. Maybe you are feeling burnt out and you can hear him say, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe you know exactly who and where you should be serving, and you need to step out and do it. Maybe you're struggling with your family or where you work, or you're finding it hard to serve, and you've become disillusioned. Talk to Jesus. We sang, Jesus is calling. It's like, real, he is. Talk to him. Ask Jesus to show you how to serve and what love looks like. I do believe that God is whispering to each one of us in a way that is clear to us. And before the service, when we were praying, I said to Tom, I just feel like the Spirit of God wants to rest on each one of us, and it may well be very different for each one of us as to what he is whispering. And that's okay. But please, let's not move from this space, maybe, um, without kind of really responding and leaning into that. God made us to be in community. So we do this collectively today. We lean into God collectively to what he's whispering, and we're amongst friends. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website, www.saviorsunbury.org.uk 